Welcome to More Than Myths. Um, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Even though I wasn't laughing? <clears throat> Absolutely. It was like laughing at me. No, I don't I don't even remember what you said. <laughs> and with that, welcome to More Than Myths. <laughs> welcome, curious friends, to another week. Thanks for being here. Mm, thank How are you, you? Haley? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> hey, so are you. <laughs> it's true. I am. But now I'm hydrating, lubricating myself with water. Same. Yeah. Just going to uh, talk really, really fast. Sounds great. I can't wait to hear all about it. <laughs> um, so you went to see the Minions movie. I did. How was it? It was not good. No? Oh, no. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. But, you know, I was kind of hoping for another shtick. You know? Yeah. Like, the Minions were, I remember the first time we saw Minions, they were the funniest thing ever, right? Yeah. Like, they're so weird. But it's like after five movies of Minions that you only have so many things Yeah. to do. So, so many jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dang. I mean, yeah, it was cute, but did you uh, did your kids like it? Because it's, I mean, it's really kind about of that? for them. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, ish. Yeah, yeah, but like we were never well, like man. laughing out loud or anything, you know. So it's just yeah, like, okay. eh, it was eh. alright. I love that I sound so upset about fucking minions being bad, not other things. <laughs> <laughs> no, other than that, it it was fun. We had a good time. We actually dressed up as minions to go yeah. to the movie. Right. So that was really fun. Um, and yeah, we also went to IHOP to get the minions breakfast beforehand. So it. we went all out. We made it. a whole thing of it. And it was a lot of fun. Family fun. Family time. Family fun. Yeah. Family time. Yep. And then we're getting ready for the 4th of July tomorrow. And every year that we lived in Washington, we've never, we've always been in apartments or things like that. Yeah. So you can't usually have fire or light off your own fireworks in the mm. apartment complex. So we haven't, haven't done anything for the 4th of July in. Oh, sure. Years. Yeah. You know, like we'd go see fireworks here and there we would you know so this year there's no fireworks ban and josh bought way too many right so you can just buy the crazy shit big ones yeah yeah that's how wyoming is you can buy everything there yeah there so, were times that we went home and we'd bring home roman candles because you can't get them here. I know. <laughs> we just have Roman candle wars. Like, it's so dangerous. That's so dangerous. <laughs> and it doesn't make me feel good. Nah. No, you're Because Josh definitely came home with 10 Roman candles. 
it'll be all right. Just shoot them up in the air, not at people. Not at each other. Not at your siblings. Oh my God. <laughs> given, you're going to give safety mom a breakdown. It's all right. Don't, they'll be all right. Uh huh. You know, Logan's like, can I light him? I'm like, absolutely not. That will be your father. <laughs> that is not ever going to happen in my house. <laughs> not even just, when you're 25. <laughs> just let it go. Let it go now. Don't no. ask me again. Don't ask me next year. <laughs> nope. Just <laughs> drop it. It's not happening. Oh, man. Like, I didn't give a shit about 4th of July. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, and I don't really, but it's nice that this year we get to light fireworks. Fun. Yeah. yeah we, we still live in an apartment complex, so we'll probably drive up, like, up to the hill somewhere and watch them light them off. Because if we go up high enough, like, if we go up Bogus, mm -hmm. we'll be able to see the whole valley, which is actually a lot of fun. It's really pretty. But it doesn't oh, get dark until 1030. Yeah. Like, so you have oh, to be out man. late. Yeah, so we're going to have to be out late. Yeah, I might take a picnic or something. I don't know. We were talking about taking the Forester because the tent. So. Yeah. Just oh, that'd easy. Be great. And it's warm enough that we can just be out. So. See, that sounds lovely. Yeah. You got a new job. I did. I'm going to make you celebrate things on here. <laughs> That's fine. Because <laughs> I wouldn't bring it up myself. I'm too shy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm putting you on the spot, Haley. That's funny when you sent that thing to Shayla and you were like, look at what Haley does. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I know. I knew you would never send it. I would never. I knew no. Haley Haley went through this phase, you guys, <laughs> of coloring books, but like legit coloring and then she would like nerd about colored pencils <laughs> and yeah committed herself and she's so good at coloring it's oh, so it's... beautiful and if you want to see it her instagram handle is coloring cups of coffee can... i can't actually get into that account anymore <gasps> why i've lost the account i don't i switched phones and that stuff doesn't transfer over and <gasps> i don't even know what the email is yeah if i i mean i still have all of my stuff and i have some free time coming up until i start my new job so i've been looking at my coloring books and i'm like all right Haley, you gotta just get it's back time. into it because it's time it is it's a lot of fun and it's relaxing well yeah and as i said she does it beautifully and i know you're thinking to yourself corinne how can someone color beautifully you don't understand you just gotta look at it and you're like oh there's shading on everything and highlights yeah. there's a directional you can see the sunlight on this object yeah it's Thanks, great mr which uh, i can't remember my art teacher's name mr guild thanks mr guild thanks mr guild <laughs> yeah but yeah i start my new job at the end of the month so yeah. pretty, I, I don't know what I signed up for. Uh, <laughs> Literally. I'm, I'm not sure so when, what, what are I'm you working? I don't know. Nope. I don't. I don't know. Travel. Something travel. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm I'm excited. I get to be at home with my two dogs. Yeah. And I because I had another option where I was going to be in an office downtown. Mm hmm. 
I immediately broke out into a cold sore. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> My anxiety, like, got out of control. It was ridiculous. I couldn't. I just couldn't. So it's when, a lot. This co- when this came in, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you, universe. Like, oh, thank, thank you for you not making so me much. dress business casual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was one thing I was excited about was like getting new cute clothes, but I celebrated anyway and went buying new cute clothes <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but now you have no limitations, right? I, You're yeah, like, oh, matter. I could wear this to dinner or I could wear yeah. it. While I have my hair in a bun or <laughs> right. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Yeah, I'm unlimited. <laughs> unlimited. <laughs> anyway, congratulations. Thank you. Um, Thank you. because of that, we do want to talk a little bit about our summer schedule. Yes, we do. Um, we'll have a more official thing for you, but we just with Haley's new job coming up and just general summer travel and whatnot Mm -hmm. um Haley and I are taking a little bit of a break that you guys shouldn't notice you shouldn't notice it at all no the way that we're gonna set it up is we're still gonna have episodes come out every week but it's gonna be um we're probably gonna have another blooper reel for you so Mm -hmm. we hope you're looking forward to that We'll probably have another Norris corner. It's going to be the same thing as usual. So you won't notice a break, Mm -hmm. but we need, we're going to take a month. We're going to take August. (laughs) August is ours. Um, So we're going to have a little bit of time. We're still going to be on social media. I mean, if you need us, you can always reach us at our email, um, more than miss podcast at gmail.com. But yeah, just a heads up. We wanted you guys to know that we're here, but not here. We're here, but not here in August. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. And then when we come back on September 4th, that's going to be season two. We've been doing this for almost a whole year. Yep. We're kicking off season two in September. And we're, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We have some fun things planned Mm -hmm. for when we come back. All right, friend. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. What's your topic? I'm not going to tell you yet. It's my <laughs> turn to go. <laughs> Don't you try to get me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to decide if I was going to mess with you or not because you wrote the queen. And so I was like, yeah. mine's about a queen, but it's not. Oh, damn it. I was like, oh, we were talking about the same thing. W- one day. You know how many times I've thought about doing that to you? <laughs> many. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to get any. Honestly, I would love to mess with you, but I didn't want to get anybody at home excited that we were covering the same thing. And then to have a snot. Because I feel like the day will come. It will come. It will come. Eventually. And that day is going to just be the best. The best. <laughs> but also probably the most boring episode. Because we'll be like, yep, that's that's right. You're right. You're telling the same story. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, I actually have a two-parter for you today. Believe it or not. Believe oh, it or I believe not. it. I believe it. I had to split it up because it was too much. I'm so excited. Um, yeah. So this week, we're actually going to talk about the Will-O-The-Wisp. <gasps> Excellent. I thought so, too. Oh, so excited. When I found it last night at... 10 30 p.m 
And you text me. <laughs> and I text you. I was like, it finally hit me. I was like, oh, what a great idea. I had, I have like, I've said this every time. I have like five or six ideas yeah. that I'm like saving and I have like links ready for. I mm-hmm. have the research started. Yeah. I just haven't written it. And so it's just like, <laughs> nah, I'm not feeling that yet. You know? So anyway, Will of the Wisp caught my eye. Ooh. Led me <gasps> down a Led path. Led you? Stop, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, I hope your drinks are ready. Because my first exposure to Will of the Wisp was in Pixar's Brave. Yeah. The, the cute blue floating. Ooh, so ah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it sounds like. You do it so well. <laughs> so anyway, so I saw this topic. I was like, yes, Will of the Wisp. Let's find out about these cute little adorable creatures. Everything that Disney tells you is a lie. Yeah, I believe that. Ah, they're not adorable creatures, but that's all right. There are a few creatures in things or in mythologies that can be found around the world that are totally consistent in what they look like, what they are, you know? Yeah. Um, And one of the things is the will of the wisp. Okay. They're found in, I'm not going to say every culture because I don't know if that's true, but (laughs) I found literally thing after thing after thing definitions or um, explanations for Will of the Wisp in all kinds of areas. And that's why I'm going to do this in two episodes because um, everybody's interpretation is a little bit different. Sure. And everybody has different stories behind yeah. it and yeah. like fairy tales, essentially. So, um, yeah, I just got, I was like, okay, we're going to dive into this and really like go past just the one or two explanations that you may know. Mm-hmm. And learn a bit more. So, Will the Wisp, or Will with a Wisp, and many, 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 many other names that we will dive into <laughs> later. Uh, but we're going to begin by talking about the term, or the phrase, or the phenomenon. Right? Okay. So, normally, they are meant to lead a follower astray, to trick them, or in some cases, lead them to their doom. So, that is... Yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. they were, like, supposed to be helpful, like, lead you to your destiny or, you know, your help fate. you out of the forest. <laughs> to your feet. Your feet. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, not nice. Oh. Will of the Wisp. All right. Didn't know that. Mm-mm. Again, Disney is a liar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Will comes from the Saxon word while meaning fraud, trick, or deceit. Then wisp is Swedish, and it means a bundle of tinder or a bundle of sticks or twigs, you know? Okay. It stands for a deceitful bundle of tinder (laughs) or a deceitful fire or a tricky flame or, again, thousands of names. (laughs) Not really, but it's a lot. Um, so the Webster's definition of love, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Will of the Wisp is a flame-like phosphorescence caused by gases from decaying plants in marshy areas. In the olden days, it was personified as the Will with the Wisp, 
a sprite who carried a fleeting wisp of light. Foolish travelers were said to try to follow the light and then were led astray into the marsh. In the 18th century, fairy tale described Will as the one who bears a wispy fire on a trail that swains along the mire. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the light was first known and still is also known as Agnes Factus, Factus? Um, which in Latin means foolish fire. Eventually, the name the Will of the Wisp was extended to any impractical, impractical or unattainable goal. Oh. So, I'm going to cover all of that more in detail, but I really liked the definition at the end there where it's like, oh, Will of the Wisp is something that's like leading you off your path mm-hmm. or something that you are, maybe your family doesn't agree with or something like it's and it, yeah. it uses that expression and i haven't heard that before but i'm going to start using it <laughs> um okay so what are they as our definition said it's usually found in a swamp or a marshy place and the will of the wisp has many different descriptions but the consistent one is that it is a light or a flame usually blue that floats ahead of the viewer travelers will see it continuously move away from them but as they change direction it would follow them instead so it was ever moving and dependent on the person yeah and where they were going huh um explanations of the will of west will depend based on the location and region you're learning about some places believe that they're fairies some think that they're ghosts and some think they're something completely different so scientists believe that because these are seen in mostly marshy land, that they have an explanation for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just little methane gas pockets that light from phosphorescent fungus and mushrooms, whatnot. So causing this little burst of blue flame. However, in J.G. Owens, a journal of American folklore, he has a different, like, a different thought on this. And he says, this is a name that sometimes applied to a phenomenon perhaps more frequently called the jack-o'-the-lantern or the will-o'-the-wisp. It seems to be a ball of fire varying in size from that of a candle flame to that of a man's head. It's generally observed in a damp marshy spaces moving to and fro, but it has been known to stand perfectly still and send off solicitations. As... You approach it, it will move on, keeping just beyond your reach. If you retire, it will follow. These fireballs do occur, and they will repeat in motion. In your motion seems to be established, but no satisfactory explanation has yet been offered that I have heard. So he's saying that he doesn't agree with that because they're very much not a burst of light yeah. and then disappear. They have intention of where they're moving. So he's saying, you know, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How are they so intentional in their movement if they're just gas being lit? Right. Right. Um, So what are some other interpretations of the Will of the Wisp? Well, in Belgium and the Netherlands, it's believed that the Wisps are actually lost spirits of unbaptized children. Oh. Um, So there's actually a story of a man who was walking alone in a field one night. And this comes, this is a... Uh, folktale from the Netherlands and he said and he's a good Christian and baptized man so when he's walking along the field he sees 
three blue lights rushing towards him. And he knew. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So he's just <laughs> minding his own business, walking through this field, and three lights pop up and they come rushing towards him. Him knowing that they are the souls of lost children baptizes each one. I baptize you in the Father, name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, whatever. You're done. <laughs> With a flick of his hand, he baptizes wow. them. Okay. Um, and they, they extinguish and go away. What? So, like, saving them, right? This backfires, though, because then he was rushed by over a thousand wisps and was trapped in the field, baptizing each one of them well into the morning. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I Could can't. you imagine? You're like, you're not even scared, but you're like, damn it. Another one. I need to go to bed, you guys. Please. It's 2 a.m. Right. Um, in other cultures and folklore, they can be wandering souls of women, um, unrighteous men, priests who have broken their chastity. So lots of different things. In Norwegian folklore, it's actually referred to as Hoberty's Lab Lantern. Okay. So tales from the Irish and Scottish folklore... Jackie Lantern or Jack O'Lantern, the first, there's, so they also get referred to as Jack Lanterns or mm -hmm. Jackie's Lantern or Jack's Lantern, you know, those kinds of things, or Jack yeah. of the Lantern, right? So the Scottish story is said to be that the, the Lantern is, belongs to a blacksmith who is rejected from the afterlife in um, he begged for warmth because he was so cold, so he was given a single ember to stay warm and continues to take it everywhere with him. So oh. this is thought that it's this blacksmith carrying around the jack-o'-lantern kind yeah. of thing, right? Right. Um, in Ireland, jack-o'-lantern is also referred to as a light at sea that may lead sailors off their course. Oh, Okay. But then we also have like our Samhain mm. story of stingy old Jack right. and his deal with the devil and tricking gotcha, devil, yeah. right? Yeah. So that is also applies to that phenomenon. What? I know. Um, another Scottish tale is about a girl who is seeking gallon vernum, which I guess is a substance <laughs> that's used for dyeing clothes like mm -hmm. or tweed or whatnot. Mm -hmm. The trouble was that she was seeking more than would have been like appropriately allotted because it wasn't a common thing that was found. Oh, like you I wouldn't see. go and if it was a flower, you wouldn't go pick all those flowers, right? Right. You would like save some for other people to gather. It's it's said that she was led astray by a will of the wisp to take mm. all those things, even though she didn't need all of them. Gotcha. So in thirteen forty text, there is um. The author is David Apgillum, wrote, In every hollow, a hundred wrymouth wisps. So that was like the first um, like written story where it can be found was in okay. 1340. Wow. Yeah. And he actually calls them Kenwell Korif, which means corpse candle. Oh. 
so and like the imagery with this one was a ghost holding a candle and so okay. you can't see the ghost but you can see the light i know that one got me too mm, that one like got that. me too i don't like that one oh Yuck. yeah yeah i like thinking of it being a small little creature not something holding it it's sweet and makes and you cute can noises. only see the a light candle. and yeah. not what's holding it ew ew oh. enough okay i got the idea <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you understood. Yeah. And this is payback for the back rooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ignis Bactus. Bactus? I think that's how it's said. But every time I say it, I just think it's wrong. This is another definition for Will of the Wisp. Mm -hmm. In 1563, this is introduced to the English language. And the author wrote about them saying that they would frequent churchyards or marshy places. Um, and they were thought to be a, a form of evil that was meant to lead you into a, an abyss of misery. Wow. And then leave you with no hope of ever escaping or being happy again. Holy shit. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was, I literally wrote, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, okay. Oh I'm sure that this kind of go back goes back to headless horsemen and like yeah. being out at night sure you don't want to be caught in a will of the wisp or be caught by the headless horseman or the mm -hmm. dulahan you know like like no 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 yeah no, if no. this isn't scary then maybe this will scare you yeah there has yeah. to be a lot out there so you stay in your house at night and you're not drinking or adultering you know <laughs> in germany <laughs> There's a version. This one made me laugh really hard. Okay. There's one version that says they're cursed land surveyors. What? That's very specific. And they incorrectly laid out plots. And so they were cursed to, to monitor the correct plots forever. What? <laughs> that what? probably was just meant to scare that specific group of people. <laughs> They were like, that's, that's how people got things done in back back in the day, I guess. It's like, oh, we need to just come up with a terrifying creature or fate wow. for the people that do the things we don't like. So it's like it's like us coming up with a myth for Karen's or people who don't <laughs> don't tip their waiters. Or don't remove don't return the carts to the cart trolley thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my oh god. Oh my gosh, that's odd. That's such an oddly specific. I literally was reading like this glossary of different kinds of will of the wisps and what? I was like land surveyors. <laughs> Cursed <laughs> land surveyors. Just like what? I had to include it cuz it was so specific. Random. That's so random. Like what an odd I know. Guy. I know, don't. Hey, if you're a land surveyor, you don't. You, you don't better lay that. <laughs> you better survey it right. Check it multiple Twice. times. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be cursed for all time, stuck on somebody's plot <laughs> of land <laughs> that you screwed over because oh you my were gosh. not close enough to the river. Oh my gosh! I know that one was that is ridiculous. Just so funny to me. Okay. Good. I'm, I'm glad curious you... if it like worked. Do you think it worked? 
Like, do you think that they were worried about it? Like, I mean, probably. I don't know. If we come up with a curse for people who are just general assholes, like, maybe we can get it to, like, <laughs> oh, you didn't tip your waitress? If you don't return Yikes. this cart to the trolley. <laughs> yeah. All right. We need to come up with what those punishments Ooh, are because yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So a darker story from Germany um, is actually about a specific will the wisp. Um, and it's, a, it stays in one spot because it's, it marks a spot where God laid waste to something. Oh, for good reason though. So, okay. Um, there was a chapel that had been located at the top of the hill where this wisp is now located. Um, and it was previously before that it was a pond, I believe, or a pond after, I don't remember. Anyway, so this chapel was the ch one church for the whole town. Um, mm -hmm. and everybody would come up to confession there, but the women and young girls would confess and the priest who was, uh, evil on earth would defile them. Oh yeah. And take advantage. Um, when his sinfulness became too much, the earth opened up and swallowed the church whole. What? Into the ground. Wow. And the will of the wisp that was left is to show where God took care of this evil doing. Wow. I feel like there should be more <laughs> of the ground opening up around the world, but wisps everywhere. Wisps everywhere. <laughs> but that's another topic. Um, in North America, wisps are referred to as ghost lights or orbs. Oh, and are yeah. Normally considered paranormal activities. Gotcha. So there's different. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So in your in English folklore, there's a puck which is a, a specific type of like sprite mm -hmm. and puck is uh, lures them into ditches and then laughs at their foolishness and leaves them. So he's more of like, or a puck would be more of a trickster gotcha. or, you know, just kind of like a, <laughs> yeah. Got she's wet. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Um, and that's actually where Shakespeare got the name for his character in Midsummer Night's Dream, Puck. Of course. So Puck would carry a lantern or a light uh -huh. to light the to lead them astray, or Puck would, and that again, will the wisp. Huh. Um, the last bit that I have for you guys this week is. And John Milton's Paradise Lost, in which was written in 1667, um, there's a will of the wisp that is described as a malevolent distraction or wandering fire. Um, so everything that we've heard today has been ghost light, yeah, corpse candle, wandering fire, deceitful distraction. It's all. There's so many different ways to say it, but they all kind of come back to the same thing. They're, it's a light being held or a fire that's 
meant to lead you astray. So the last thing I said, I already had the last thing, but I have one more last thing. (laughs) I was like, okay, are these still like around? Yeah. Because you'd think these phenomenon, if they are this actual scientific definition, yeah, you'd have video of them because people would know how to find them all the time, right? Yeah. Well, I found a YouTube video. It says Will the Wisp in South America. And it's actually somebody who's working on like a cell phone tower or something, which is terrifying thank god the quality of the video isn't great because it's high I'm like um, anyway you can see in the distance at a minute 10 you can see the blue light kind of floating <gasps> in the distance so that no. was that was the one i found so it makes me believe that like if the scientific phenomenon was able to be recreated or you know what kind of conditions you need why weren't there more videos interesting so Mm. if they're not something you can pinpoint yeah then maybe they are wandering flames as long as they're not corpse candles oh yeah definitely (laughs) not so next week we are going to dive into more corpse candles <laughs> god damn it <laughs> around the world um including there's one from asia japan which i know asia is a continent but it didn't give me explicit location for this one yeah. um japan we're going to talk about native american um will of the wisps uh-huh. uh australia one more English one and Brazil. So we're All covering a whole bunch of them. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah. Whoop. That's all I have today. Are you ready? Yeah. So this was what I thought was going to be my birthday episode last year. (laughs) Can I guess? Of course you can. I love guessing. Okay. So my hint is the queen. Mm. And you told me earlier this week that you were going to do a history topic. Mm. So... It's either Cleopatra or Mm. Nefertiti. And those are my guesses. Okay. Those are both good guesses. (gasps) One of them is right. Okay. (laughs) Like, son (laughs) of a bitch. Really? (laughs) One day, one day I'll talk about the other one. But today, we are going to talk about... An extremely famous, powerful woman. Um, a lot of what I'm going to tell you is actually from a book by an uh, author named Stacy Schiff. Um, she is a historian, biographer, I guess, maybe. 
historical mm-hmm. biographer. Anyway, um, I listened to a couple podcasts. Um, but not only was this woman very powerful, um, she had children with two married men. Uh, she spoke nine languages. She had Whoa. an excellent grasp of military techniques. Um, and to this day, we aren't actually sure how she died and where she's buried. Okay, so a lot of what's known about her life is from Greco-Roman scholars. Scholars? Scholars? <laughs> the, <way I> <laughs> the way I wrote it looks funny. Um, <laughs> scholars, particularly Plutarch, who was actually born 76 years after she died. And he's writing about her. Didn't even meet her, does it? Like, mm-hmm. um, but she's typically portrayed as this sex symbol from all these men that wanted to destroy her, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and the people that loved her, there's not very much written about her. Um, she was incomparably richer than anybody else in the Mediterranean. Uh, she enjoyed greater prestige than any other woman of her age. And when she was born in either 70 or 69 BC, her full name given to her was Cleopatra VII Thea Philopater. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I'm not sure. I think. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Cleopatra. I was, like, really <laughs> worried that you said it or missed that you hadn't said it. <laughs> no. And I was like, uh-uh. we still don't. No, we still don't know who we're talking about. Who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? about? I almost interrupted you like three times. Like, no, she's building up to it. I'm coming to it. She's doing it on purpose. It's coming to it. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna talk about purpose. I love it. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. Oh boy, I knew zero of what you said, so I can't (laughs) wait. Um. Yeah. So it's uh, she's kind of a myth, kind of amazing. And she's I mean, a powerful yeah, woman. And I she's a legend. She's a legend. Yeah, she's, I mean, she has been named, there's been cigarettes named after her, an asteroid named after her, slot machines. I mean, she, we're still talking about her. So. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like. She's how, a legend. Like King Tutankhamun, right? It's like. Right, exactly. He was supposed to be erased from history and he is. Yeah. We know a ton about them. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. So, you know, not sorry that it's not a myth. (laughs) No, I think think she's legendary. I think it's totally in our wheelhouse. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about history. So, who the fuck cares? Who the fuck cares? And I wanted to talk about a powerful woman. So, she's. She's it. She's it. So, this is also going to be a two parter. Excellent. So, you know what you're listening to for the next. This episode and next week. And next. Yeah. Ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, I'm going to try to get it, get as much as I can into this one. Hopefully try to get it, cram it in. All right. So um, when she was born, uh, so Cleopatra in Greek means famous and her father and her full, her full name means the father loving goddess. Um, so she was born in the city of Alexandria to Ptolemy Twelfth, also known as the bastard or a a ladies, I believe that's how it's pronounced, which means flute player, and her mother, Cleopatra V Tryphena. Um, it's thought that Cleopatra V and Ptolemy XII were full brother and sister or half-siblings. Um, mm-hmm. There's not really anything actually known about her mom, um, but 
some people think that by the time Cleopatra was at least 12 or 13, her mother had been had died by this time. Okay. She might have been way younger. We don't actually know. Okay. Know. Um, so the Ptolemies weren't actually Egyptian. They were Macedonian Greeks. And they ruled during during the third dynasty from 305 BCE to 30 BCE during the Hellenistic period. And when Cleopatra died, she was the last pharaoh of Egypt. And Egypt wouldn't actually regain its autonomy until the 20th century. Whoa. Yeah, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when her son ruled after her, it was like a Roman state. <gasps> yeah. Um, so in 323 BCE, Ptolemy, uh, like the original Ptolemy, was an official taster and childhood friend. Um, some think that he was also related to Alexander the Great. He was appointed satrap, which is like a viceroy, I guess. Um, but in 305, he declares himself pharaoh. And the Ptolemies don't actually venture into interesting names. They keep renaming their children the same things over and over and over again. Every boy is named Ptolemy. <laughs> Every wow. boy is named Ptolemy. And the girls have three different names. So there's either Berenike, Arsinoe, or Cleopatra. Um, they were all about marrying each other. And they were all about murdering each other. Wow. Yeah. This sounds like a hell of a family reunion. I'm going to tell you about some of them. Sup, Ptolemy. Oh, holy, Ooh. holy crap. Yeah, so there wasn't actually a Greek word for incest, but the Ptolemies, <laughs> there wasn't, but they carried it out. They carried out this practice to the extreme. Wow. Like, okay. So of the 15 or so family marriages, at least 10 were full brother-sister marriages. Um, two others married cousins or nieces, and they did this for simplicity's sake. It minimizes claims to the throne. Um, it keeps the family line, like, exalted and very exclusive. You do not have in-laws, and you don't need to look far and wide in other countries for suitable marriages for your children. Your brother and your sister will do just fine. Uh, yeah. So for an idea of the lineage that Cleopatra came from, her ancestor Ptolemy the Fourth murdered his uncle, brother, and mother. He didn't need to poison his wife because courtiers did that for him as soon as she produced an heir. She got killed. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. Cleopatra's great, great aunt, so Cleopatra the third, was both the wife and niece of Ptolemy the eighth. Ooh, not good. He raped her when she was young while being married to her mother, Cleopatra the <gasps> second. So Ptolemy the eighth and Cleopatra the second got into an argument. Ptolemy, it's not good. Ptolemy kills their 14-year-old son, has him chopped into pieces. Puts the pieces in a box and it's delivered to the palace gates on the eve of her birthday. Whoa. Yeah. Savage. <laughs> her, her retaliation was to publicly display the body parts and show what he had done. 
Whoa. Wild. Wild. I had no idea. I had no idea the level of savagery that the Ptolemies went to. Wow. Yeah. So she comes from a very long line of not only sibling and family marriages, but they have no qualms about killing each other. Absolutely none for power, position, spite. Well, imagine like your your marriage is just a contract. Yes. It is just to produce more people. For the throne. Yeah. For the throne. Yep. And you want power. I mean, in Egypt, during like the beginning of the Hellenistic period, I mean, Egypt was wealthy. They have a lot of money. She like, I'm going to tell you how much she's worth. Blows my mind. It's crazy. Um, So she was born in 70 or 69. Um, She does have an older sister that's about 10 years older than her. I believe also named Cleopatra, a sister named Berenike, who is eight years her senior um, than her, than her younger sister named Arsinoe, uh, who's three years her junior, and two younger brothers, both named Ptolemy, Theos, Philopater, the 13th, and the 14th. Oh, um, my God. It's all the same. Berenike, Arsinoe, Cleopatra, and Ptolemy. All of them. Like, they might have had nicknames, but I don't, I don't think we know hey, what they 13, were. 13, what's up? Yeah, like, yeah, it was P13 and P14. That's how they're recognized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's not really a lot that we know about her childhood, but from Stacy Schiff's book, um, she states that we can kind of assume a few things. Um, it's likely that she was born in the palace in Alexandria. She ate nothing that wasn't like either chewed and tasted first for poison. Like when she was a baby, her food was probably chewed up and like given to her. Um, She would have had a lot of playmates. Um, I'm sure that her father had concubines, so she probably played with her half siblings, no other noble born children. Um, She would have had a retinue, her own retinue from birth, followed around by maids, servants, nurses. Um, She probably played with little terracotta dolls, dollhouses, tea sets. She probably had pets like little mice. Um, she probably had a favorite food, favorite places in the palace to go, favorite blanket, you know, like, she's a real person, you know? Um, so from early childhood, she was, they were all, all of the children were groomed for the throne. Right. Um, she would have made regular. Everybody had a claim. Everybody had a claim and they were all, I mean, Yeah. Um, so she would have, they, as a family, they would have gone up the Nile to their palace in Memphis to practice, to practice, to participate in the Egyptian festivals. Um, it's not far-fetched to believe that she had an outstanding education. I mean, nine languages. That's amazing. Yeah. And especially like you're not flying, you know, like you're not traveling. No. You know, like. Right. It's in they your probably backyard. probably brought in so many people to teach her well, everything, right? Too. Alexandria is like, yeah. So the library in Alexandria is in her, I mean, it's in her backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, in Alexandria, the, cir- the circumference of the earth was first measured. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, she would have known that the moon has an effect on the tides and she would have known that the earth has an equator where it's located. She also would have known the value of pi. Whoa. Yeah. I looked it up to like, make sure pie's like a billion years old. <laughs> I don't even know. 
<laughs> it's so Shit. old. Yeah. Um, so out of all of the Ptolemaic, Ptolemaic rulers over the 275 years that they were in power, she yeah. was the only one to learn how to speak Egyptian. She was <gasps> the only one. Yeah. The, the official language was Greek. Every All business was conducted in Greek. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they didn't speak Egyptian to each other because they weren't Egyptian. Right. Yeah. Um, so she came of age during a time when Egyptian women actually enjoyed the right to make her own marriages. They inherited held and held property independently. Um, married women didn't submit to their husbands like in other cultures. Um, mm -hmm. They were able to divorce and to be supported for a divorce. Um, if they got divorced, her property would remain her own. They loaned money. They operated barges. They served as priests. They hired flute players. They owned vineyards, wineries, papyri marshes, ships, perfume right. businesses. I mean, they did the exact same thing that a man could do. Wow. I wonder yeah. if they were allowed to get abortions. They actually were. Shut they, up. I'm not even kidding. So in this book, and I was going to tell you about some of this stuff. Um, let me see if I can find it really fast. I was um, definitely being like, I was like, no. oh my God, they have more fucking rights than we do now. Yeah. 2,000 years later. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find it really fast. Because some of these things, I was laughing. I was dying. Um, because, yeah, eventually she does get pregnant, right? Um, <laughs> so... For each valid idea of Cleopatra's age, there was an equally outlandish belief. So Hippocrates' 300-year-old recipe for inducing miscarriages was to jump up and down, neatly touching your heels to your buttocks seven times. <laughs> um, a spider's egg attached to the body with deer hide before sunrise could prevent contraception for 12 months. <laughs> um, this was no stranger or more effective than attaching a cat's liver to one's left foot. But then it was also asserted that a sneeze during sex during sex worked wonders. <laughs> yeah. Um, in Cleopatra's day, crocodile dung was famed for its contraceptive powers, as was a concoction of mule's kidney and eunuch urine. What? Yeah. Um, generally, the literature on a on abortive factions, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, was more extensive than that on contraceptives. Um, the time-tested ingredients for a morning after pill were salt, mouse poop, honey, and resin. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're like herbal re remedies like white poplar, juniper berries, giant fennel, all sorts of stuff. But yeah. Interesting. If she, if she didn't want to get pregnant, she knew what to do to not get pregnant. Right. Yeah. Wild. Anyway. Anyway. Wild. Um, so we're not 100% sure what she looked like. There are coins and there are actually busts that are still thought to be her. Um, but the coins she would have certainly approved. Um, but what we do know is this. She had a hooked kind of nose. Um, she had really full lips, a sharp, prominent jaw. Um, a high brow, her eyes were wide and sunken. Um, and it's thought that she probably had dark hair and honey colored skin. They, there is a possibility that she was blonde, but they don't, it, they don't think so. Um, mm -hmm. 
And she also probably wasn't this this drop-dead gorgeous woman that everybody thinks she is. Her younger sister, Arsinoe, was actually the beauty. She was said to be stunning. But Cleopatra was kind of just, you know, it wasn't, like, her beauty wasn't her fame. It was just being in her presence that made her irresistible and, like, bewitching because from a young age, she was taught the art of speaking to people. I mean, she's the center of attention a lot, right? you know, being a princess. So she was probably taught to be a very able conversationalist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, her father, Ptolemy Twelfth, becomes Pharaoh. This whole long convoluted thing. Of family members killing each other. Um, Murder but here. He- Murder there. <laughs> Yeah, he he promises 6,000 talents to the Romans as a bribe to be formally acknowledged as a friend and ally to the Roman people. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, I also think that there was a bribe of 10,000 talents. This is an astronomical sum of money. It's a lot. Okay. Um, the Romans agree, but they have a hard time collecting this money. And because the Alexandrians didn't want anything to do with the Romans... Um, the Romans end up taking Cyprus from the Egyptians. And because Ptolemy is trying to pay back this money, he has to raise taxes and the people don't like that. The Nile's not rising like it should be. Their harvests aren't as good. Um, the country's in decline and Ptolemy has to flee from Egypt. He goes okay. to Rome hoping to win back the support and get help from Rome so that they would restore him to power. Um, and it's thought that his wife and his eldest daughter, Berenike, become co-rulers I also, this is where history gets confusing because I've seen it in this book. And I also have a book about Caesar that I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says that um, it was Berenike with um, Cleopatra's older sister, Cleopatra. And they were co-rulers. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, anyway, so he may have had his own wife killed. I don't, I don't okay. know. Um, but Berenike, when he comes back, he has Berenike killed and he reclaims his throne. Um, it's thought that sh- that Cleopatra that we're talking about now would have been his co-ruler for maybe a short time, but his Ptolemy dies in 51 and he a- is actually murdered. He dies from natural causes, which is rare for <laughs> the Ptolemies. Yeah. Um, his will is read and Cleopatra and her younger brother, Ptolemy the 13th are named co-rulers of Egypt and Cleopatra is actually 18 at this time. Okay. Um, so being eight years, his senior, uh, her younger brother, senior, she is initially the dominant ruler and she kind of pushes her younger brother aside, but his regents, the Adotus, Achilles, Achilles and Pontius, Poth. We're going to say that's right. Um, they kind of, they rule for him because he's only like 13 years old at this point. Like he's right. just a little kid. Um, and they kind of fight back and Cleopatra is actually forced to flee in okay. 50 BC. She raises an army, but the battle's put on hold when um, Ptolemy's three advisors learn that Pompey has actually been beaten by Caesar and he's coming to Egypt for refuge. And her father had kind of thrown his lot in with Pompey and Egypt owes him a lot of money. So he thinks, oh, I'm going to come to Egypt and they'll be able to give me a place to like kind of lay low a little bit. They also owe me a load of money. Right. But the problem is 
they're talking about this and they're like, we can't receive him because if we receive him, that's going to make Caesar our enemy. And that's even worse. Like he's a general, he's won hundreds of battles at this point in his career. Um, but if we don't accept him, like we don't want him, we don't want Cleopatra to get to Pompey either. Right. So <laughs> Theodotus tells Ptolemy dead men don't bite. So they send out this boat to get Pompey. They bring him back. As soon as he stepped foot on land, he's stabbed to death and they cut his head off. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking that this would gain favor with Caesar when he arrives, like, oh, hey, look at what I did. I, I heard that you and him were in a war. I want to be on your side. I took care of the threat. You know. Right. Look, but when Caesar. Am I a good boy? Yeah. Look, let's be friends. Yeah. But when Caesar actually sees this three-day-old severed head, he turns away in disgust. And according to some, he actually bursts into tears because at some point Pompey was actually his son-in-law. So he he's oh. sad about it. And he was actually gonna forgive him. Because Caesar had this big thing about like forgiving and like if you were an enemy, he would forgive you. And it was like this big thing that he would do. Okay. Anyway, um, Caesar ends up going into the palace and he's trying to figure out, like, I don't know what's happened, but he summons Cleopatra because Cleopatra's still on the desert with her army. And he tells Ptolemy, hey, disband your army so she can get back in the city. Ptolemy yeah. doesn't listen because he's a 13 year old kid and he's also not really ruling his ruler, his like regents are Kingdom, doing right. stuff for him. So Cleopatra has to kind of think out of the box and she doesn't want to send an emissary because the emissary might betray her. So right. she comes up with, or someone in her entourage comes up with an idea to smuggle herself into Caesar's camp. We've seen it in Hollywood. She's rolled up in a rug and she arrives and she's this beautiful, sexy woman. And she seduces Caesar immediately. That's not what happened. Nah. She was put into a hemp or leather laundry bag and thrown <laughs> over somebody's shoulder <laughs> and like smuggled in. In a laundry right. bag, not a beautiful rolled up rug. Like she didn't come out all put together. No, no. Yeah. She was probably dressed in a form-fitting sleeveless linen tunic. Um, and on her head would have been the broad white ribbon that she alone among Egyptian women was entitled to wear, which denoted a ruler. Mm -hmm. So she probably looked a little bit frazzled. <laughs> she was probably yeah. tired. She's probably like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I get have to do this. this I have to get into this bag. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't likely that they immediately fell in bed. They, you know, it was, it's assumed that he was probably surprised. She was extremely intelligent. Um, she's an able leader. So they probably had a lot of thing in, things in common. And it's possible that they fell in love. I mean, I, I really doubt that they fell in bed, like, first thing. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. But... Anyway, Caesar decides that he's going to forgive half the debt owed to him and Cleopatra and her younger brother would be co-rulers of Egypt. Upon learning that Cleopatra has made it to Caesar first, Ptolemy is said to have run out into the streets, throwing a tantrum, pulling the ribbon off of his head and screaming that his sister has betrayed him. Caesar's men go out into the street, seize him, and is returned to the palace where he's held under house arrest. There's a big war that goes on. That's I'm not going to get into it. But the outcome is that the people of Alexandria surrender to caesar um ptolemy is actually there's a war there's a battle and he's actually drowned in the river 
Um, and at some point in this also, her younger sister Arsinoe has participated in all of this and she's captured and sent into exile with the Romans. So Caesar accepts the surrender and Cleopatra is restored to the Egyptian throne as queen and her even younger brother, Ptolemy Fourteenth, is also named co-regent with her. Okay. So he ends up staying in Egypt for months, learning. I mean, the Library of Alexandria is right there. He's speaking to scholars. Um, they made their well-known trip of the Nile, which is not only to show off the wealth of Egypt, because that was a normal thing to like have this big trip, but Cleopatra is the new queen. And this is basically to tour her estate. Right. All of Egypt belongs to her. Everyone in Egypt works for her. Right. <laughs> So they leave from Lake Mariotis, um, which is the only port that could accommodate her 300-foot-long pleasure barges. Barges. Multiple barges. Barges. Um, <laughs> yeah. It said that there's an envoy of 400 ships that follow you, that follow them up this river. So this barge, I'm going to tell you about these because it's crazy. Um, they are, they have like ivory boughs. They have these crazy columns. Um, it's brilliantly painted. Everything's embedded with ivory and gold. Um, the ceilings are covered um, with gold in one banquet room. They have Egyptian style columns decorated in another carved with leaves and lotus petals um, over a third stretch of purple awning. Um, let me see if I can find. Oh, right here. Um, so it would have had a gym a library, shrines to Dionysus and Aphrodite, a garden, a grotto, lecture halls, a spiral staircase, a copper bath, stables, and an aquarium on these barges. What? Like lady knows how to travel in style. What yeah. the? It's crazy. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I was going to look up and see how big it is compared to the solar boat. Because I don't know, I don't know how big the solar boat is, but that's massive to have an aquarium stables because you got to take your horses with you, I guess. A grotto, like lecture, what? like, are you fucking kidding me? This bananas. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. This book is blowing my mind. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had no idea. So during the trip, Cleopatra would have taken part in many of the religious rituals. Um finally caesar's troops decide like enough is enough home hasn't heard from us we've got to get back home um so they kind of threaten him so they turn around and they go back to alexandria what did you find oh i was just like couldn't imagine the size of uh, that kind of like wooden boat right yeah mm -hmm. and i was just looking at the pictures and yeah, it's huge. They're huge. Yeah. They're huge. They're like ships. You yeah, know, like they're huge. Long and they, people ships. would row them. They were rowed. Like oh 117 my. people or 180 people were rowing these boats. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, she's a god. You know? Yeah, that's it's, wild. Yeah. Um, so on so they make it to the first like cataract of the Nile and then they decide to turn around and come back home. Um, so on June 10th from Alexandria, Caesar actually leaves and goes off to, I believe he goes to Spain. 
it's another country in revolt. Anyway, he leaves. Two weeks later in June of 47 BCE, she gives birth to her and Julius Caesar's only child. Um, it's a son, and they name him Ptolemy Caesarian, which actually means little Caesar. <gasps> I know. Um, his birth also coincided with the early summer rising of the Nile, and it's a very abundant harvest. So she's had this baby at the perfect time. Like, it's all of these signs. I've had a son. Yeah. The Nile's rising. It's crazy. So I said she was wealthy, but how wealthy was she? Tell me. Into her treasury would go half of what Egypt produced. Her annual cash intake was probably between twelve and 15,000 silver talents annually, a year. 12, so wait, and I, you said like 10,000 talents was a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. Yeah, he he bribed away half of their half of the treasury to make okay. sure that he would remain pharaoh. But I heard on one podcast that she's worth three of Queen Elizabeth. She's like the twenty third richest person in the world. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for comparison, the most lavish funeral burial costs one talent. One. A half talent find would crush. You wouldn't be able to financially recover if you were a villager. You, you, it, you would be screwed. Um, a priest in her day made fifteen talents a year. That's it, fifteen, and she's pulling in fifteen thousand a year. Holy, <laughs> it's crazy. So over the next month after she's had her baby, she's ruling, she's meeting people, she's doing Pharaoh stuff. Um, in 46, she's stabilized the country. Everything seems to be going well. The Nile's swelling. The harvests are great. So she actually makes preparations to sail to Rome. So she takes her whole retinue with her um, as well as her little brother, husband, um, because you can't leave your blood relative behind because we know what happens. Right. Um, so we are not actually sure why she left. Um, it may have been just to introduce her new son to his father. Could have been right. reasons for state. It could have just been, I, I mean, I don't know. But she would never have dared to go to Rome had Caesar not wanted her there. Mm -hmm. She brings gifts with her. Jars of water from the Nile, fabric, cinnamon, tapestries, fragrances, golden beakers, leopards. The There was a thing that I'd read that... Um, They'd seen a giraffe for the first time. Like people in Rome saw a giraffe for the first time. So it's thought that maybe she brought this giraffe with her. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so <laughs> I need from somebody to do this movie with the most money in the world. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? What's the girl that was just in um, Death on the Nile? Oh, Gal Gadot? Yeah. She's actually doing a Cleopatra movie. <gasps> that's okay. the word on the street that's the word on the right. internet yeah all right she'd be the perfect cleopatra i'm down with that yeah um so sailing from alexandria to rome would be similar from sailing <laughs> from versailles to the colonies in america like oh early colonies like beautiful palaces to like muddy so in rome like you're thinking and i thought this too the Pantheon hasn't even been built yet. The Colosseum hasn't been built. Like they're working on it. Like they're trying, right. but it's construction. It's muddy streets. It's dirty, probably. So 
I mean, Alexandria is old. It's hundreds of years old. Right. It's established. It's beautiful. And she's going to not that. Um, so she settles with her entourage in Caesar's large country estate across the river. Um, and Caesar's actually living in the middle of town with his wife, Calpurnia. So there's a little bit of drama there. Um, she, Cleopatra tries to keep a low profile, but she's a pharaoh. And yeah. she's also, quote unquote, that Egyptian woman. So try as she might, it doesn't happen. She's no. also richer than any of them. Right. She like, could crush In the a country. thousand mile radius. <laughs> right. She could literally spend money and blow their whole economy. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 So she's also, how she's been trained and how she's been brought up is the exact opposite of how the Romans define a good woman. And they're taught to be inconspicuous. Um, she was taught to be seen and heard. Listen to yeah. She's a god. And they weren't allowed to make dinner invitations. Like, they they weren't allowed to do anything really. Um, so yeah, they, they couldn't have their own names. Like sister Caesar had two sisters, like everybody's named Julia, everybody. Like they don't, they don't vary in names. Like it's very different from what she's used to. Right. You know? Anyway. So when Caesar had returned earlier, he started to make changes based on the things that he had learned while he was in Alexandria. He reformed the calendar. He commissioned a census. I didn't know that they thought that the year was like 455 days and they kept like adding days and months to it to like reckon, try to reconcile it. And he comes back and he's like, no, 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 no. This is what we're going to do. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, I've learned he, some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he commissions a census. He makes plans for a public library. And these are just a couple of the things that he's done. So he's trying to like reform and help Rome grow. Right. Um, so Cleopatra ends up staying for a while because winter comes and sailing home is impossible. It's really dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. and there's a triumph where her, they would kind of like parade through the streets, the different places that they'd conquered or wars that they'd won. And in the Egyptian triumph, her little sister, Sinaway, is actually paraded through the streets in golden chains. And the people aren't, like, he thought, like, oh, the people would be really excited about this. And they actually start weeping because she's this beautiful girl and she's in chains. And he's like, oh, that's probably not a good idea. Later, he tries to integrate her, Cleopatra, further into the Roman society. And he actually has this golden, huge, life-size statue of her erected in this new temple that he's built to Venus. That doesn't also go over very well either. He does later actually recognize his son, um, Caesarian, as his son. And Cleopatra would actually sail home and come back to Rome once. Okay. Um, so in February of 44, Caesar is actually named dictator for life. And he decides on a new campaign. He's going to clear Rome's way to actually make it to India. Um, in March it's found out that Cleopatra is actually pregnant again. Like she's either far enough along that people can't, that she can't hide it anymore. Or she's like so slight. She's so like skinny and slight. Mm -hmm. that I mean, even being four months pregnant, you'd notice, which right. I think is probably that she's probably just tiny. Um, so on, um, but everybody, sorry, everybody knows that this is Caesar's child and the child has been conceived 
on Roman soil. Right. So that's kind of everybody's kind of like worried about this. Um, so on March 15th, Caesar enters the Senate. He has a laurel wreath on his head at about 11 o'clock. He settles into his golden chair um, and he's actually quickly surrounded by colleagues. Many of them are his devoted friends. One tries to extend a petition to him, which occasioned a flurry of um, importuning and kissing of hands. I'm not sure what that means, um, but they're trying to kiss his hands. So Caesar actually moves to dismiss the request. And um, one of his petitioners interrupts him in mid-sentence and actually reaches out and yanks his tunic roughly from his shoulder. This is the sign. Um, the group closes in and they pull out their knives. They're, they pull out their daggers. Mm -hmm. And he twists away from the initial knife and that only grazes him, but he's surrounded. I don't even know how many people. Um, they all agree that they're going to participate and they just start stabbing wildly. They stab his face, his thighs, his chest. They actually stabbed each other because it was such a frenzy. Yeah. Um, he tries to wrestle away. I mean, like he's a, he's a pretty formidable dude. I think he was in his fifties at this point, but he's a general. Mm -hmm. I mean, like he's not the soft guy. No. He's not a soft man. He finally emits a single groan, puts his fabric up to his face and sinks to the floor. Um, his assailants rush out of the chamber doors and Caesar's just laying on the ground. He's been stabbed 23 times and they actually left his body there for like three hours. Like, I don't, I, I, I guarantee they couldn't have saved him. Right. But he just, they left him. Everybody left him. Nobody dared touch him. So actually later in the afternoon, three slave boys take him home and they carry him to his home. All of like, all hell breaks loose. It's just okay. crazy. And Cleopatra's just there. She's like, well, shit. Like, my, the person that I'm depending on to help keep me safe and help secure my claim to my own throne is dead. Right. So she is forced to return to Egypt in 44 after Caesar is murdered. And around this time, she either is far enough in her pregnancy that she gives birth, but the baby doesn't make it or she has a miscarriage. Okay. So the either way, the baby doesn't make it. Um, so within a matter of days, she leaves. She's like, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this. I was not involved in this. She, she leaves. She trades the upheaval for Rome and she goes back to her own beautiful palaces in Alexandria and she will never actually set foot in Rome again. She's only 26. Whoa. Yeah, she's only 26 at this point. Yeah. So that's where we're going to end this week. <gasps> so, yeah. Next week, we'll go over um, her meeting Mark Antony and mm -hmm. all of the crazy shenanigans that they get into because it's wild. It's wild. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my gosh. I was ready. <laughs> I was like, okay. What's next? What's next? I've never, never heard anything about her. Oh, never yeah. seen oh, a movie. Good. I've oh. never, like, I could name her. Could name sure. a few key players. But I also didn't know if that was fact or Shakespeare, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So I was like, yep. 
Yeah, because Cleopatra and Mark Antony is the Shakespeare yeah. play. And yeah, I, I mean, there's not really, I, I think we have one piece of paper, I think is in her handwriting, and it says, let it be done. <gasps> like her giving an order. And that's it. That's it. Like the rest of it is what these men have written about her. Her people didn't really write about her. There's not anything that we have, I believe, from them. It's all written from this perspective of men that thought she was like this power hungry witch. Like that she seduced Caesar and she bewitched him and she used her womanly wiles and all of this oh. crap. And it's like, no, she was fucking smart and she knew what she was doing. She was trying to save her fucking country. Like yeah. she was trying to save her people from Rome, really. Right. Yeah. Wild. Okay. Is it yeah. a spoiler to ask how long she lived? No. Uh, she, uh, I think she was in her 30s really yeah i don't think she was very old mm -mm. interesting yeah cool all right well i can't wait to hear how that is <laughs> all right guys thank you for being here this week we love you we appreciate you remember check out our social media instagram facebook twitter and tiktok for all of your content needs <laughs> If you do want to get a hold of us, say hey. Send us an email at more than at gmail.com. If there's something you want to hear about or if something that we maybe didn't get right, let us know. We'll be happy to talk about it again or brand new. Uh, wherever you podcast, we also podcast. If you can just follow and subscribe, if you have a couple minutes and can leave a review, that just gives the little pod a little bump and helps us find more curious friends because we want all the friends. We love friends. Be our we friend. love friends. <laughs> Be our friend. And remember, as always, if you love us, tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your cousin. Oh, yeah. Tell your cousins. Until next time, stay curious. Bye. Bye.